Well, good morning. As you've heard, it's our global outreach-focused morning, and uh, let's just jump right in. Uh, the biblical imperative for all Christian global outreach is summed up in uh, what's called the Great Commission from the book of Matthew, chapter 28. Uh, it's the most concise, I guess, and fullest expression of it. Lots of other places where uh, it's implied or spoken, but uh, let's read the Great Commission from Matthew 28. Verse 18, all authority is given in heaven and on earth has been given to me. These are Jesus' words. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have com commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, many thousands of sermons have been preached on these verses, and I'm not going to add to that number today. But I do want to ask you, how are you doing with this? If you are a Christian, a follower of Jesus, how are you doing in obeying that? Go and make disciples of all nations. You know, I know Christians who will avoid a global outreach Sunday or a mission Sunday uh, because they just don't want the guilt that comes along with it. Uh, we're uncomfortable with our relatively wealthy and uh, comfortable uh, lives in North America, and we don't want that challenged by these radical words of Jesus. Now, every Christian who's serious about their faith has to, has to come to grips with it, has to grapple with that issue and, and come to a, an honest answer in their heart about it. But even if you haven't done that yet uh, fully, and maybe most of us are, wrestle with that from time to time, I do want to tell you, uh, if you are a financial contributor to this church, to Hillside Church, uh, you are actually helping to fulfill this great commission, whether you know it or not. You may or may not be aware that the leadership of Hillside Church has, uh, for many, many years now, dedicated 10% of all income uh, to to this global outreach uh, area of ministry. And further to that, not just 10% of income, but they've allowed the congregation to give to a special designated fund, which adds to the amount that's available for global outreach concerns. Now, to this point this year, that amount is almost precisely $64,000. Uh, $48,000 from our budget, and then another $16,000 roughly from uh, our missions fund, this, this designated offerings that uh, we have available to us. And of course, that begs the $64,000 question. Uh, what biblical values or guiding principles are, are governing how we spend that money? Uh, and what other efforts we're, we're making in this whole global outreach area. As I've reflected on this, I'd like to share with you three core values that have underlined, uh, underlain Hillside's ministry for as long as I've been here, which is 
uh, almost 20 years now. Uh, the GO team, the Global Outreach team, our GO team, has been reviewing these thoughts and having some interaction about them. And we've put them together in a document that's available to you and encourage you to pick it up uh, through your sermon notes link online. And uh, appreciate you reading that, giving us some feedback uh, on what you, what you read there. Now, the first of these three core values uh, might be summarized under the heading, the poor. The poor. Jesus, uh, quoting the prophet Isaiah, uh, described his own ministry as coming to preach good news to the poor. Now, there are two aspects to this human poverty, spiritual poverty and material poverty. With respect to spiritual poverty, uh, without the lordship of Jesus Christ, uh, every human being is spiritually impoverished. Without experiencing the forgiveness, the grace, the, the freedom, the peace that comes through surrendering to the lordship of Jesus Christ, uh, we are living in spiritual poverty. As that relates to ethnic communities, this poverty is where a church, the living Church of Jesus Christ uh, has no discernible impact on a human society. So that's spiritual poverty. The second aspect, material poverty, is probably easier to quantify, and that's simply the lack of the basic needs of human life. Clean water, sufficient food, clothing, shelter. But further to this, Hillside has for many years focused on serving the poorest of the poor. Poorest of the poor. And as, as that relates to the spiritually poor uh, of the world, this works out as an intentional effort to reach unreached people groups. Uh, those who study worldwide evangelization uh, describe or, uh, an unreached people group uh, as, as a group that has less than 1% of believing Christians in their population. And they do not have a church that is uh, an indigenous church that's capable of evangelizing their own people. Now, in case you think that task of evangelizing the world is uh, pretty much complete, uh, there are currently still over 7,000 identifiable unreached people groups. Uh, representing over 2 billion people. And it's interesting that one uh, recent study from the Joshua Project uh, reported that fewer than 1% of missionaries end up serving among frontier peoples. Fewer than 1%. And this, this group makes up about a, a quarter of the world's population, almost entirely in India or Muslim uh, majority countries. So in response to that, Hillside has consciously sought to support those workers who are going to bring the word of Jesus to unreached people groups. And during my years at Hillside, it actually, if you think about it, it's been amazing that we've been able to uh, uh, support or send four families or, uh, or couples to those types of uh, 
situations and been able to support them for many, many years. And I'd love to tell you more about them, but they, uh, we have two families right now that are in that type of ministry, uh, but we can't brag about them as, anywhere near as much as we'd like because they are at risk of being, uh, getting into trouble with their authorities. So their identities and locations ha and activities have to be, uh, we can't be make them made public. But we are part of, of serving that and serving them in that ministry. As for the pure, poorest of the poor materially, uh, efforts to alleviate uh, that suffering are not as simple as one might hope. Uh, the presence of war, civil unrest, um, other factors, uh, corrupt regimes uh, keep us from access, having access to often to the neediest of the needy in the world. And there's really not a lot we can do about it. But the organization Hungry for Life uh, has been a great value to us as a local church in enabling us to get to the poorest of the poor that we can actually reach, that we actually can uh, help. And the projects that we uh, under, have undertaken in past years in Boro and Seje in West Kenya and Africa are examples of this. Now, those areas are relatively accessible to Western travelers, uh, but due to drought, political oppression, and other factors, uh, these areas simply could not grow enough food to feed their populations. Now, I was privileged to be part of the first team that went to Boro in Kenya, and uh, I took, it took me about a week to realize that these beautiful native Kenyan people that I was interacting with on a daily basis, uh, they may have eaten that day, or they might not have. And they might be able to eat the next day, or maybe not. It was, uh, was eye-opening for me, and uh, while Kenya may seem to be a best-case scenario nation in Africa, uh, the, uh, the suffering and the poverty that was there was stunningly real. And yet, thanks to Hungry for Life, and they're connecting us with these community, this community, and uh, we were able to help a little bit with uh, relief, hunger relief, some food and basic supplies, some water projects, but also uh, um, uh, uh, the longer-term benefits we were able to help with were, uh, were uh, in enhanced ag agriculture projects that uh, actually resulted in them increasing their food production to a place where many of them were able to uh, have a, a bit of a surplus, feed themselves and have a bit of a surplus, which is the, the base level, the, the starting level for an economy, to have a little bit of working capital. Now, some might ask, is caring for the needs of the poor, while it seems to be a, a good Christian thing to do, is it really uh, uh, an appropriate focus for global outreach? Uh, um, shouldn't the focus rather be on saving souls uh, as opposed to meeting physical needs. And uh, Derwin, in years past, our, our pastor here has, uh, has sent, laid out a biblical basis for that. We just simply don't have time to do that fully this morning. But uh, I, I do want to give a short answer, <laughs> which could be a, a really long one, but I'll give a short answer. 
uh, in that Jesus uh, cared as he went around. He cared about physical needs of the people he was preaching to. Uh, physical healing was foundational to what he was doing. He's, of course, feeding the, the 4,000 and the 5,000, which just seemed to be out of compassion for people who were hungry there. But also consider the Apostle Paul, the, the supreme New Testament missionary. Um, as, he, uh, as his mission to preach the gospel to the Gentile churches was being examined by the bigwigs in Jerusalem, the apostles in Jerusalem, they uh, ended up affirming him and saying, yes, we go, you know, you're doing the right thing, you're preaching the right message, uh, but in all that, just do one thing more, and that's remember the poor. Make sure you remember the poor. And Paul says, and that was the, that was the very thing I was eager to do. And you can read about that in Galatians chapter 2. And think of this, Paul's final journey of his own free will that we're aware of anyway uh, in the Bible, in the New Testament, was to Jerusalem. And so after missionary journeys, he, he traveled back to Jerusalem. Why was he going back to Jerusalem? It, it wasn't to preach again to the Jews there. It was to bring a gift from all these churches that he'd planted around the Mediterranean. Uh, he'd, he'd asked them to give, give gifts to help support the poor in Jerusalem, the poor Christians who were suffering not only from a general famine, but also uh, persecution from their own countrymen. At any rate, we believe that serving the physical needs of the poor and needy in the name of Christ is a legitimate global outreach ministry. And our latest major focus in this area is uh, on the Yazidi, is a, an unreached people group uh, called the Yazidis in Iraq. And we are just so, uh, they happen to be unreached people, but they're also refugees living in uh, displaced camps um, because of war in their homeland. Uh, we've reported on this work before, but today we have Brent White from Hungry for Life, uh, a colleague of Lori Allward's there. Um, and Brent's graciously agreed to come us and give us a brief update on the state of affairs there. So Brent, thank you so much for taking the time to come and be with us this morning. Oh. And thank you, church, for inviting me into your home. Yeah. All right. We've uh, been providing assistance to the Yazidi people um, uh, that are in refugee camps. Uh, how many people are we talking about in, uh, in that area? Yeah, at the height of the conflict, there was more than 3 million people that were displaced because of the war uh, caused by ISIS. So that was people from both Iraq and Syria uh, that had fled to the region of Duhuk and sought safety there. Currently now, that number is down to about 1.2 million. So a lot of people have been able to go home to some semblance of peace. Uh, but there's still 1.2 million people that are displaced in and around that region. Okay. And what's the situation uh, that they're facing at this point in their... Uh, it's 1.2 million people, uh, displaced people. What... what what are the things they're facing right now in uh, their experience? Yeah, the sad reality is over the course, it's been almost six years now since ISIS swept across Iraq and Syria. Mm. Um, and a lot of these people still remain in temporary shelters. Uh, okay. they, they're dependent on organizations to provide food, 
Uh, as they fled, they left behind jobs, they left behind their own infrastructures. Uh, they've been unable to establish themselves in the workforce for now, largely speaking. Uh, so they're dependent. Uh, they're dependent on the kindness of larger organizations around them. They're dependent on the local church and, and faith communities around them. So, and, yeah. How many faith communities are, are there in the area? Like, would, yeah, so the, the Orthodox Church is still strong in okay. northern Iraq. Uh, the Islamic um, the Muslim people, uh, Iraq is predominantly Muslim. Uh, about 98%. Sure. Uh, and then there's a small population of evangelical Christians as well. Yeah. So uh, the Yazidis have their own faith, uh, and they've followed under their, their religious teachings for a long time. Uh, but more and more so, as the evangelical church has met them along the road and been ministering to them in their poverty, as you spoke about uh, they have, they've seen more and more people come to know our Lord. And, wow. Yeah. Well, that's brilliant. Uh, how, have we, how have we been a part of helping this people group? Or, yeah. yeah, this church has been amazing in that. Uh, you've been partnered alongside Pastor Samir in Northern Iraq there. Uh, Pastor Samir originally met the Yazidis alongside his church on the road uh, and provided not only uh, the warmth of hospitality, um, but also food and clothing for those that fled with nothing on their backs. And Hillside's been a large part of providing over the last two years. Over the last two years, this church has provided almost $32,000 to help with food relief and winterization of those camps. Okay. And what, so what can we do now at this point? Uh, what, how can we be involved? Yeah, so the need yeah. continues. Um, a lot of people are still displaced. Uh, and winter's coming. Okay. Uh, these temporary shelters, they have canvas walls. Uh, there's no heating. Uh, there's very little that have electricity. Um, and winters, believe it or not, in the northern region can get down to freezing. Uh, so these families are dependent on and need kerosene for, for heaters. Uh, and they still need food at this time. A large amount of the major NGOs are now pulling out uh, because, unfortunately, there's other crises around the world, uh, and those have taken the priority. Uh, yet the Yazidis remain displaced. They remain jobless. Uh, and the church is still very much there. Uh, this, the way in which the local church has worked is being able to provide food relief to meet the physical poverty, but recognizing in such a relational culture that this is a key to open the doors to the gospel uh, and present Jesus not only in word, but also in deed. Mm -hmm. Good. Now, Brent, you and your family, two five-year-old girl, girls and a three-year-old boy and your wife, you're headed off to Dehuk in the new year. Is that correct? And that is correct. Yeah. Wow. So uh, it's been a journey for us of just discerning uh, the call that the Lord's put on our hearts. Uh, and we are actually yeah, excited to be able to take that step of faith alongside him and work alongside the local church there. Uh, our primary focus will be in the relief and development, uh, helping with the strategic relief needs, uh, but also moving into long-term development. Uh, so that's, we're excited about moving forward in that direction. Wow, good. Now, uh, 
is there a way we could, uh, anybody who's interested uh, out there, could uh, stay in touch with you and your ministry? Yeah. Uh, what's the easiest way for us to do that? Yeah, if, if you do want to be involved, uh, please send me an email. My email is brent.white at hostmailbox.ca. Uh, and then I can add you to our prayer update list. And yeah, it would be a huge blessing to us to have you guys praying alongside us. Okay, well, we'd be happy to do that. We'll have that information uh, in the office. Uh, so if any of you want to email in with a request, we can get that uh, contact information to you. Thank you so much. Brent, thank you. Thanks for taking the time to be with us this morning. And thank Where you, Church. Yeah. Bless you. Well, again, thank you, Brent. So that was our first pri- uh, priority, our, our first core value, the poor. The second uh, is that of people. I want to say just people, a, a value of people. And that's... Uh, at a base level, our, our responsibility as a, a congregation to encourage each one of us to uh, seek out God's will for our lives. As Kevin uh, preached to us uh, in, in the summer, uh, consider one another, how, how you might uh, provoke or prompt one another, help one another uh, to their love, to do, to do love and good works. And uh, this is just a call on any church. And as, as members come to understand and obey the call that God has on their life, it's our joy to support them in, uh, in their ministry. Uh, whether or not that directly serves the poorest of the poor, this other value that we're talking that we've talked about. So we've gladly supported those who, for instance, have reached out to dispossessed youth on the streets of Vancouver or who have been involved in campus ministry, or who have been involved in camp ministry, or who have gone on short-term trips to, uh, to various parts of the, of the world in various, for various reasons. And uh, those experiences have been foundational in them understanding what God's call is on their life. And uh, people, some have, have chosen full or part-time uh, service in those areas as a result. This people priority uh, extends to support of those who are actively working uh, in global outreach. Uh, we strive to remember them in prayer, have personal contact with them, to keep, be attentive to their needs while they're abroad, and, and to support them as their time comes to a close, their career, their global outreach career comes to a close. It's a uh, the whole life cycle of a global outreach worker we want to support. And uh, that's a high calling. Further aspect of this people priority is to be aware and attentive to unique connections that members of our congregation have to more local ministries. Uh, For example, one of our families has a history of involvement with Joy Fellowship an outreach to mentally challenged uh, members of the larger Lower Mainland community. Uh, And as a result, uh, we've contributed to that ministry for many years. But uh, it's been a while since we've highlighted that. So we have a a video clip uh, that uh, put together by Adam and Carol Hansen that we'd like to show you now. Good morning, Hillside. I want to tell you about Joy Fellowship Church. It is a church founded about 40 years ago just for disabled adults. 
Gordy Hilderman was a teen with Down syndrome who was often asked to leave services in his parents' church because of the noises he made. So his father, Fred, started a church alongside David Hayward Sr. with services just to meet the needs of the physically and mentally disabled adults. The pastors teach them that God loves them just the way they are. They celebrate individual abilities and allow each one to be involved in the service in a way that they can. I have heard many a prayer that I could not understand, but we know that God does. About three times a year, the congregation goes to camp. That is how I got involved. 23 years ago, Kendall, Adam, and I started helping at Joy Fellowship Camp. It dawned on me that as Christians, we encourage moms not to abort their disabled babies. But where are we afterwards? What do we do to help? Helping out at camp was our small way to do that. We are at camp to help in getting ready for the day, mealtimes, going to bed, and just having a good time at camp. That is where Hillside Church comes in. Joy Fellowship has to pay for all the helpers to attend camp. If every helper had to pay the full cost of camp, many would not come. Through the GO team at Hillside, we forward a donation to assist camp helpers. On a personal note, my children learn the value of all human life and to relate to disabled adults. When COVID is over, we will be getting back to camp. If anyone is interested in helping at Joy Fellowship Camp or finding out more about Joy Fellowship Services, please contact me. Well, I don't know about you, but it excites me to be part of that, that ministry. Uh, uh, it's a remarkable thing that you and we are involved in. Finally, as we seek to equip the congregation to understand and support the call to global outreach, we provide, if we can, educational opportunities to our members and a wonderful chance to gain basic training, a, a, a quick and solid way of gaining basic training in global outreach uh, issues is the Kairos course. It's a nine-week online Zoom course that covers the foundations of global outreach, the biblical foundations, the history, the uh, current state of affairs in global outreach um, and uh, issues, and uh, as well as uh, strategies that uh, might be hopeful and, and, and helpful. Well, this, is, this course starts up, uh, again, it's nine weeks, starts up in January, the next one. We are offering scholarships, free uh, free tuition. It's a $99 course, which our cost, that's quite reasonable, but we'll cover that for the first three members of Hillside that are of our congregation that want to do it. The GO team uh, is committed to that. Please, if you're interested at all in this, it's great, again, great basic training, and uh, we'll foot the bill for the first three people that say, yes, please. Final core value we'd like to address today is that of prayer. Uh, there's nothing our global outreach workers covet more than your prayers. Uh, they know that the things they're trying to achieve can only be done by the power 
of God. And in this, they reflect a conviction of the Apostle Paul, who was constantly helping, saying, help me by praying for me. Uh, one way you can do that is through our monthly Zoom prayer meeting uh, for global outreach. And through the wonders of modern technology that we're all becoming more uh, familiar with uh, in these days, um, they, they allow us to have a prayer meeting uh, that includes our global outreach workers, wherever they might be. Uh, and uh, and uh, you can do it from, of course, the comfort of your own home. Our own Jill Short has uh, constructed a format for these meetings that uh, promises to be anything but boring. She banned boring. Uh, they're 40 minutes long, including uh, worship, uh, 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 a live presentation from a global outreach worker that uh, we'll connect with and, and pray for. There, there's also breakout prayer groups and a chance to interact with some, uh, if you have any questions or uh, comments. We recently held one of the first of those meetings. We were able to hear from one of our uh, global outreach workers from across the globe. Uh, and uh, all of our, our global outreach wor workers will be invited to come to each meeting. Again, they're monthly. And uh, you never know who's going to show up. Um, but uh, uh, anyway, it's, an, it's an interesting, it's engaging, it's powerful, it's prayerful. And we invite you all to come. Our next one is November 6th. There'll be uh, a notice on that and a Friday reminder, and uh, we'll keep you updated as, as we go along. But we'd love for you to join us. Now, I want to close today with a very brief scripture from a very brief New Testament book, 3 John. And the scripture is this. It's in the context is the Apostle John is speaking to a local church that is, uh, has, has had missionaries or evangelists come into their, into their congregation as they've been traveling, uh, ministering, uh, preaching the gospel. And he, and he says this, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support these people, or support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Fellow workers for the truth. Brothers and sisters, you may not be able to go to unreached people groups in the corners of the globe. Um, you may not be able to do much to serve the poorest of the poor in the world, but you can be a fellow worker. As you give or pray, you are a fellow worker for global outreach. And as this scripture reveals, if you show hospitality to go workers, if you encourage and affirm them personally, sometimes that's what they need the most. You're not counted by God as some second-class global outreach contributor. You are counted as a fellow worker for the truth. 
And it's in that spirit that the Go team wants to encourage you to take the words of Jesus seriously. Just have the courage to read them afresh again and open yourself up to allow him to speak to you. The tasks implied by these three core values are many and daunting, far beyond what our little Go team can achieve. Um, but as each member of Hillside does what we're able, we have the sure hope that by the grace and power of God, we can be fellow workers together in advancing the good news of Jesus Christ to the very ends of the earth. And I invite you to join us in that. Thank you, and God bless you all.